Welcome to Courageous Wellness. My name is Erica Stein. And I'm Allie French. And this is a podcast about individual journeys toward wellness and how to navigate it all. After Allie experienced a cancer diagnosis in her 20s, and Erica went through a sustained weight loss and self-love journey, we created a platform to interview real people from all walks of life that have combined all types of practices, from physical wellness to emotional and spiritual. We hear courageous stories and focus on why it's important to share them. We are now certified integrative nutrition health coaches, and together with our community, we are learning to live our best lives by telling one courageous story at a time. It takes courage to share these journeys, and by talking about them and sharing personal stories of real people, we aim to destigmatize the process. Join us as we and our community share our courageous wellness. and welcome to Courageous Wellness. I'm really looking forward to this week's episode where we sit down with one of the wellness industry's leading functional medicine doctors, Dr. Will Cole. Dr. Cole is the author of the top-selling book, Ketotarian, and will soon be releasing his next book, The Inflammation Spectrum, due to release October 15th. His functional medicine practice specializes in clinically investigating underlying factors of chronic disease and customizing health programs for thyroid issues, autoimmune conditions, hormonal dysfunctions, digestive disorders, and brain problems. Dr. Cole was named one of the top 50 functional medicine and integrative doctors in the nation and is a health expert and course instructor for the world's largest wellness brands such as Mind Body Green and Goop, where he is also a co-host of the popular Goop podcast, Goop Fellas. On this episode, we learn about Dr. Cole's personal wellness journey, why he was inspired to practice functional medicine, ketotarian eating, and how inflammation in the body is the root cause of many of the chronic health issues Americans suffer with today. Please enjoy the episode. episode is brought to you by Beekeepers Naturals. If you listen to our episode with founder Carly Stein, then you already know how powerful Beekeepers Naturals products are. Beekeepers Naturals is a wellness company specializing in innovative nutraceuticals made from healing hive compounds and plant-based ingredients. Their mission is to improve people's health naturally and save the bees. Allie and I are absolutely obsessed with these products and I've been using them consistently since December when Carly was on the podcast. So Allie, what is your favorite Beekeepers Naturals product? I love the Propolis Throat Spray. I've used it consistently through the year and it's been my immune system's secret weapon, which makes sense since Propolis is basically the immune system of the beehive and has germ-fighting properties. What about you? I love the Propolis too, especially as somebody who always had strep throat and throat infections. It has seriously changed my entire life. (laughs) But with that said, my favorite product is the Bee Chill Hemp Honey. Bee Chill Hemp Honey delivers a powerful 28 milligrams of hemp oil per teaspoon so that you can find your bliss. Made with USA grown hemp, it is non-psychoactive and contains 0% THC. I sleep like a baby when I take it before bed and it seriously takes the edge off of my whole day. It also hits the spot when I'm craving something sweet after dinner, which is just an added bonus. 
If you want to try the propolis or the beechel hemp honey or any of the other amazing products, you can receive 15% off your Beekeepers Naturals order by using the code COURAGEOUSWELLNESS, all one word, at checkout. Or visit beekeepersnaturals.com slash courageouswellness. And you can also find the direct link in our show notes. We have an exciting new discount for our listeners with Four Sigmatic. Four Sigmatic offers superfood coffee and elixirs to upgrade your daily routine. The powerful antioxidants, antiviral effects, and immune-boosting properties of mushrooms transform your cup of joe from an energy-boosting treat to a health-enhancing choice. Along with mushroom coffee, Four Sigmatic also offers mushroom elixirs, mushroom hot cocos, and other shroom-filled products. Erica uses the lion's mane in her morning superfood coffee, and even though I hate mushrooms, I absolutely love the products, especially the matcha latte powder, which contains myataki mushrooms and adaptogens. For 10% off Four Sigmatic products, visit foursigmatic.com and use the code COURAGEOUS at checkout, and there's also a direct link in our show notes. So thank you, Dr. Cole, for joining us this morning. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. So we would like to start out by asking you a little bit about your personal journey and your health and wellness journey um, into medicine and A, why you were inspired to become a, fun- a functional medicine practitioner, but also a little bit about your own journey um, personally with your own diet and how you came to the ketotarian lifestyle. Sure. Um, so I was a strange kid. <laughs> so let's start there. So the uh, I I grew up in in a home that was interested in wellness. So I was like eating strange organic healthy foods before it was cool. Before there was an Instagram or like pretty pictures of healthy foods in the whole wellness industry. It really was not anything like that. Um, but I was the kid drinking the weird adaptogenic tonics and raw goat's milk and crunchy. <laughs> <laughs> Strange things. So uh, I that formulated a lot of my perception of foods and wellness and healthcare and alternative health and all the options that that we had. Um, and then I, I went from something that my mom did or my dad did to something that I owned for myself as a teenager. I was in high school, and I thought, you know, I want to. I'm interested in this for myself, not just because it was the way that we ate at home. And then um, that evolved to me being not just a, a crunchy, like organic kid to a vegan, I would say a conventional vegan where it was whole foods. There's a lot of just, re- it wasn't doing it improperly. Um, I was eating whole foods uh, primarily. Um, and I was a vegan for 10 years. Uh, and then that's when I noticed, hey, I didn't have as much energy over that time period. I had some digestive symptoms, and it evolved then to um, to ketotarian. It was I didn't call it ketotarian then, but it was a high fat, low carb, mostly plant based approach, uh, and that's really was the foundation for my book, Ketotarian, which is a, a mostly plant based ketogenic approach, uh, and then that also coincided with me. Uh, being my formal training in healthcare, I went to an integrative school actually in, in Los Angeles, Southern California University of Health Sciences in, in LA. And my postdoctorate education and training is in functional medicine 
and clinical nutrition. Uh, so now it's like I, all these years later, I see patients around the world, primarily who have a virtual functional medicine practice. So I can talk to people in places that I would never visit maybe person, you know, in, in face to face, but get to, to reach people uh, and give people a functional medicine perspective on their case. Uh, so it's a re really, I don't take the responsibility lightly. It's a really cool, sacred responsibility that um, I'm excited every day to come into clinic with my team and, and to be there for people. Um, so that's my health journey. That's my life journey and what my main focus in is we're, my day job seeing patients. And then I write books on the side and I write articles and I, I, I co-host two podcasts, um, Keto Talk with uh, Jimmy Moore and a newer one uh, called Goop Fellas, which is Goop's first uh, spinoff podcast with uh, me and Seamus Mullen. So uh, we get to talk a lot of, I, I talk all day long, basically. That's all I do is talk, talk and write. That's every day. It's great. Well, it's definitely helpful stuff for us. If any of our listeners don't know what yeah. functional medicine is, can you give a little like explanation of that for them? Sure. So another word for functional medicine is integrative medicine or systems medicine. So if I had to differentiate it between conventional medicine and say, like, let's compare and contrast it. Uh, the main difference is, is, number one, we interpret labs using a thinner reference range. So anybody that's listening will know when they get their basic labs from their doctor, they'll have their number, like whatever, their HDL or glucose or any biomarker and then to the left or right of their number they're going to have this reference range and th this is from x to y and this number range they're going to this is where normal is um, what we get that reference range from a statistical bell curve average of people who go to labs so people that go to labs aren't the healthiest like bunch of people sadly so there's a lot of people that go to their doctor that, like they know something is off they know hey the these symptoms are not right for me. Like I know this is not normal for me. I'm going to go see what's going on. Uh, and then they get labs back. And then a lot of time they come back quote unquote normal, even though the patient or the person knows, Hey, like this isn't normal for me. And they're told you're just depressed. Take this antidepressant. You are just getting older. You just need to lose weight. All these things that you don't there's no lab for these things. So it's easy to just say you're someone's depressed. And certainly I would, I would assume that most people would be depressed to have symptoms they don't have answers for. Yes. So um, it's what they're unintentionally saying, the doctors are, being, are telling them is that they're a lot like the other sick people that make up the reference range in the labs. So in functional medicine, if you take people with health problems out of the reference range, What's left is a thinner range. It's optimal vibrant wellness, which is a tighter range typically within the larger reference range. So that's the functional range where your body is functioning the best. And that's where we get our name functional medicine. So the first thing we run, we're looking at labs more detailed than just looking at the highs and the lows and the bold fonts and seeing if the lab flagged it as high or low. Because it's actually not as important as looking at the nuance as of someone's physiology. And obviously if something's out of reference range, absolutely, we had to talk, talk about that too. But it takes a lot, a little bit more clinical investigation than just being looking at the lab's reference range. Mm -hmm. The second thing is we run more comprehensive labs in functional medicine. So we're looking at things like microbiome issues, toxicity issues, like mold, heavy metal, chronic viral issues, underlying bacterial infections 
things like Lyme disease, um, hormonal imbalances. These are all pieces to the puzzle of why people feel the way that they do. And it's normally a confluence of many factors uh, that give rise to these symptoms that people have. So we want to look like if the analogy that I use is if I, someone's check engine light came on on their car, I don't want to just cover up the check engine light and keep on driving and say, see you in six months. I want to actually, what's underneath the hood? What's misfiring? What's dysfunctional? What's causing the check engine light or the fatigue or the brain fog or the anxiety or the weight gain or whatever symptom? What's, that's the check engine light. What's actually, what's actually driving that? Because you could have a hundred people with, let's say, fatigue or anxiety or uh, some symptom. And what's causing it or driving it in one person is actually different for the next person. So we have to look at all the sort of differentials that give rise to somebody's symptoms. Um, and then we realize we're all created differently to that point where there's not a cookie cutter one size fits all to getting better. Mm -hmm. uh, so we have to customize and tailor healthcare to the individual. And my mission is not only to do that, but to make it accessible and affordable for normal everyday people. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's just, this is a big undertaking, but it's something we've done over the past decade plus and I love it and my team's amazing. So we get to be a part of people's health journey. Uh, so that's what functional medicine in a nutshell is, my long-winded answer for it. But it's using food as medicine, herbal botanical medicines, lifestyle changes, medications when needed to really be unique and tailored to the individual. That's great. Thank you for that. I think that's really helpful to break it down for people because it is becoming more common, commonly known mainstream, but I don't think, um, I don't think it's like fully in the mainstream consciousness yet. Like I think it's on the edge of that, which is exciting. Um, yeah. and so thank you for that. That's a good, a good explanation for anybody who may be sort of interested in what it actually is. Yeah. And you know, um, when you talked about your journey, I love, you know, how your crunchy granola childhood, you know, grew into this, you know, lifelong passion and now career. Um, but I also think, you know, when you mentioned, you know, your approach to keto, right. And your first book, Ketotarian, I think it's really interesting because when, when I first learned about keto and keto is so buzzy and you can go hashtag keto on Instagram, it's not always like the healthiest, I feel, right, like imagery. It's like a lot, right, because it's high fat, very low carb. So I feel like a lot of times people are just removing plants entirely to, to hit whatever place they need to macros. be. Yeah, yeah, macros, that's the word. So yeah. can you talk yeah. about your approach to keto and how you recommend people do keto and the ketotarian lifestyle and why it's beneficial that way? Sure. Thank you. Yeah. It's a ketotarian is my made up word. It's this, <laughs> you know, amalgamation between the best of being plant-based and the best of being keto, hence ketotarian. Um, and it's, uh, there's so many benefits of both ways of eating when done properly. So the best benefits, the best benefits of being plant-based is supporting detox pathways and fiber and food for your microbiome, your gut microbiome, which is so essential for health and, um, just lower mortality rates and longer lifespan and uh, from these real plant foods. Mm -hmm. And then on the other side, there's exciting research about ketosis and being fat adapted and being metabolically flexible and not be always a sugar burner. So, I mean, the anti-inflammatory benefits, beta-hydroxybutyrate is the main ketone that your body produces. It produces 
it not only allows you to become a fat burner and to lose weight, which is what excites most people when they hear about the keto diet, but it is more than that. It is not just a weight loss, which is certainly will become, it'll allow you to become a fat burner, but it is also, uh, the ketone is a epigenetic modulator, which it means it, it does different, it works on different pathways. So one, it, it works on these anti-inflammatory pathways. It downregulates um, the NF-kappa-B pathway, the COX-2 pathway, the NLRP3 uh, pathway, uh, basically, these pro-inflammatory pathways, inflammation is the commonality between just about every health problem. So this ketone is a really good calmer of inflammation. And then it upregulates these pro-antioxidant, pro-health like longevity pathways, like the AMPK pathway, the NRF2 pathway, modulates mTOR, which has to do with longevity too. So basically, it does a lot of cool things for our health. Um, but let's do it in a way that is sustainable and practical for the everyday person. So you're right. Hashtag keto on Instagram is going to give you a lot of bacon and butter, <laughs> which from a long-term health standpoint, it's not going to work for most people because in the short term, there's a honeymoon period with the conventional ketogenic diet. People lose weight. They're off of the garbage and the junk food and the junk, all the inflammatory stuff. So they have this sort of grace period with the conventional keto diet. Mm -hmm. The problem is what does this look like a year down the road or two years down the road or 10 years down the road? We want to make this a lifestyle, not another diet to add to your pile of diets. I'm mm -hmm. so not interested in that. So I, how do we leverage the benefits of ketosis, fat burning, brain boosting, it passes the blood brain barrier, increases mitochondrial biogenesis, makes, makes new mitochondria, but all this stuff. But how do we translate that to longevity, uh, both on a life standpoint and just being able to do this sustainably. Uh, so that's where a ketotarian was really born out of. It's, it's a mostly plant-based. And what I mean by that is it's this vegan keto options. So that's entirely plant-based and then uh, vegetarian keto options. We bring in some eggs and ghee and then a pescatarian keto option, which we call in the book vegetarian, but it's basically mostly plant-based still, but wild-caught fish and fresh seafood and things like that. So there's still flexible nature to it. It's not always just vegan keto, which most of the recipes are vegan keto, but I wanted to have flexibility for there and I explain why. It's actually because it's the food medicines that I brought in, but it just, it's specific food medicine, clean keto way of eating. Uh, so that's what ketotarian is. It's what I, how I recommend to do the ketogenic diet. I love that so much because again, I think with everything, I think wellness in general, right, sometimes gets a bad rap as being, right, just diet culture and a prettier bow. But I think when you really get down to the nitty gritty and it's about health and longevity and quality and your life, it's really about reframing our, our brain and our mind on all of these, the way that we have been trained to think about diet and health and what we're consuming. And it's interesting kind of referring back to your personal journey, even as a kid, and then going into this 10 years as a vegan, I can sort of relate to this. I was vegetarian, but dairy-free for four years before I had a cancer diagnosis, actually. And I was like really healthy, quote unquote, right? And um, that I thought I was. And then upon my recovery, I, because I had a few surgeries on my back, and upon my recovery, I was just craving, craving, craving red meat, which I hadn't had in years. And I, I wound up listening to that and having some. But um, 
as I incorporated a little bit back into my diet, my energy levels went through the roof. I didn't realize how lethargic I had been um, because I think I was doing it in this like traditional, probably heavier grain sort of way. And again, whole foods, but it was just like, I didn't realize how low my energy levels had been until people in my life started saying, like my boyfriend at the time was like, wow, you have all this energy and you never like, I haven't known you with this much energy. And so seeing, you know, I was, when I was reading that about you and your, your story, I was like, wow, I can sort of relate to that. Um, yeah. And that doesn't mean like, again, go, go have like only red meat. Right. (laughs) But it's like that there, there are different things like your body chemistry works different ways. And I think what had happened was a lot of the fat had been removed from my diet too, among other sort of nutrients. Right. Um, so it's really interesting, and I love that you talk about your clinical work because you get the opportunity with your practice to see results in individual clients, right, and track their sort of wellness trajectories and see what works for individual people. Um, and that's that can be, like, really powerful. It was really life-changing for me, I know. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so um, talking a little bit about you know, we're talking a little bit about this ketotarian approach to life, but under the root of, as you were explaining what functional medicine does, it sort of gets to the root of a lot of issues or ailments that people may come in with. Um, So I know that you've discussed that inflammation, and there's a lot of people in sort of functional medicine that talk about inflammation being the root of a lot of diseases. Can you touch on that a little bit and talk to us about what that is and how you treat it with diet? Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly. So it, inflammation is, is the commonality between just about every chronic health problem out there. Um, you mentioned cancer, um, cancer, heart disease, autoimmune diseases, hormonal imbalances, fatigue, brain fog, even things like anxiety and depression, ADD, ADHD, autism, all of these have inflammatory components in the scientific literature. So just about every chronic health problem out there, um, it's, it's the commonality. And then the question is, okay, what's driving that? And I think it's, it's a lot of times it's food, uh, it's stress, it's exposure to toxins, mm-hmm. chronic infections like viral mold exposure, things like this can drive inflammation up. So it's important to see inflammation as a commonality because it not only is it is a link and a product of these immune imbalances, but it also is a perpetuator of it. Because in states of inflammation, it'll sort of be this big negative feedback loop of triggering more problems and one issue led to another and more inflamed the someone's cells are, it's gonna impact their genes because their DNA is inside the cell. So it's gonna really can trigger genetic predispositions being in an inflammatory state too. So. Yeah, it's, a, it's definitely a, product, a problem. It's a product of the immune system inflammation. is So it's not inherently bad. It fights viruses and bacteria, but that's inflammation in balance when it's balanced. The problem is when inflammation's out of balance. Uh, so it's like, a, it's like anything in the world. It's like the environment like on a macro level, but on a micro level, like a body level, it's this like forest fire burning in perpetuity. It's the inflammation going on too long and uh, not in the appropriate amount. Uh, and inflammation you want just right at the right time when you need it to heal your body or to fight off an infection, etc. Um, most people in the West, sadly, are in a state of chronic inflammation where inflammation's out of balance. And this concept 
I actually talk about in Ketotarian, it's called the inflammation spectrum. I talk about that concept in Ketotarian because of the anti-inflammatory benefits of beta-hydroxybutyrate, the ketone. But um, that's what made me want to write the second, my second book, which is called The Inflammation Spectrum, which is a deep dive into this concept of how these sort of far-reaching manifestations of inflammation and then educating people on that because most people don't think, oh, if I have fatigue or anxiety, that's inflammation. Or if I have you know, a hormonal problem, that's, and it has an inflammatory component. So this is really, I think, an important point to, to point to this fact. Because when you deal with these root drivers of inflammation, a lot of these things start to fall into place. And we, we can take huge, have agency in our health and start taking responsibility for our health and not be at the whim of feeling horrible. And I think a lot of times people settle for that just thinking, oh, it's just normal. Just because something's common doesn't make it normal. I mean, you get chronic health problems. They're sadly ubiquitous, but they are not something in most cases people need to settle for. They are largely lifestyle driven. Um, they are in overwhelmingly high numbers, reversible, preventable, improvable, manageable, overcomable things. So uh, this is, I think, really important because these are and oftentimes really easy lifestyle changes. Yeah. By easy, I mean accessible I don't mean quick fix because they're not quick fix issues, but they are simple changes that with time and awareness and diligence, people can start feeling better. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I that makes so much sense. And I am um, the best I've ever felt. I've never, I don't think I've ever been in ketosis. I've never tested for it, but um, Allie and I both prefer like a higher fat, lower carbohydrate, you know, small to moderate protein diet, but you know, the only program I've ever like really done is Whole30. And it was the best I have, I've had really bad brain fog and it was the best I've ever felt, right? Um, I've never felt clearer than when I was doing Whole30. And you know, you don't take out all your grains, right? You can't have any grains on that. So I was wondering, you know, for inflammation, is the keto program kind of the best for keeping your inflammation at bay? And if so, do you have to be in ketosis, right? Like this concept of ketosis, um, do you have to stay in it? Do you have to be in it? What What is ketosis as well? Sorry, I know that's like two questions in one. Yeah, no, it's, those are all good questions. So I, I, what I recommend in Ketotarian is to go eight, eight weeks, mostly plant-based keto, Ketotarian, and then from there to find out where you feel the best. So there's some uh, recommendations I have in Ketotarian that allow you to decide. So one is you can stay in ketosis longer because sometimes people need that. And there are certain people, I would say, in people with insulin resistance, prolonged insulin resistance, um, weight loss resistance, people with inflammatory issues that are persistent, um, people with um, neurological symptoms, they may do better with longer term ketosis. And then there are a lot of people, I would say the most of the readers of Ketotarian, I would say, would do better with the sort of a cyclical Ketotarian approach, which is one of the options that I talk about, which is three to four days in ketosis. They don't have to be consecutive, but they normally probably are. And then you have uh, moderating your carbs or like the more like a feasting day where you moderate your carbs to like a lower carb or a moderate carb or even sometimes a higher carb day or days. 
Um, but you've built that initial metabolic flexibility over this initial eight weeks. So you've become a fat burner. You've shifted from being a sugar burner to a fat burner, and you have that sort of grace and lightness to go in and out of ketosis. That's most people. That's how I eat. That's how most of my team eats, and that's how a lot of people do it. And then they can go into longer times of ketosis if they want sort of a reset, et cetera. And then people could do a seasonal ketotarian, which is another option that I write about, which is more of like an ancestral health perspective, where in the winter, they would have been in, in times of ketosis, uh, and then in the summer, they'd eat more seasonal fruits and tubers and things like that. Some people like that. Um, and then some people like to just moderate their carbs every day after that, after those initial eight weeks where they will go, you know, 50 to 100 or maybe 150 grams of carbs a day. By all means, not a uh, high carb diet by the standard American. And actually, I was Melissa Hartwig's a friend of mine, Melissa Hartwig Urban, who wrote Whole30. We were just at dinner, like just this past weekend. It's totally random that we were talking about this. We were talking about macros, and I, you know, I was talking like she was found her sweet spot. She's metabolically flexible. She's a fat burner. She can do all the things like that. But then she brings her carbs up to about 150 grams a day from real food carbs, things like sweet potatoes and fruits and uh, safe starches, stuff like that. So that's where she feels great. And what I wanted for Ketotarian to do, which she does actually, Melissa Hartwick-Urban, Whole30 queen of the universe, she yeah. actually recommends Ketotarian for people that want to do the Whole30 plant-based because all of Ketotarian is is Whole30 compliant. Um, so then people can personalize it. Um, so that's not the only way to be anti-inflammatory, to answer your question. It's definitely not. It's a tool to leverage the benefits of real food to, to I would say, amplify the anti-inflammatory benefits you can put your body in. So you can spend times of ketosis to really test how this improves your brain function and your weight and your anti-inflammatory benefits. Mm. Um, but I guess that's Part of the reason, another reason why I wrote uh, the follow-up to Ketotarian, The Inflammation Spectrum, because it's not a ketogenic book. It's not. It's using food as medicine to deal with inflammation. Wow. Uh, ketosis is just one tool that we talk about in Ketotarian. Yeah. And, and I do love that you mentioned a couple of them, but what is so non-dogmatic about your book yeah. is that you give many approaches. I think there's five like that you outline in the book, but that you give yeah. many approaches um, based on who the person, who the reader might be, right? And what that, what their lifestyle might be like. Maybe they're an intense sort of athlete. They're going to need something slightly different than someone who wants to try like cyclical ketosis or whatever that may be. Um, so I think in an age of, as Erica had mentioned, sort of like maybe putting a different bow on diet culture, which happens a lot, I think yeah. something like this resource is very accessible, but it's also, um, like I said, non-dogmatic. It really gives you great tools yeah. and principles to build a lifestyle on, but a lifestyle that's going to make you feel great and um, not be restricted or bound to, you know, what what a typical diet may may be. Yeah. Um, I thank you. Yeah, it's important. Yeah. yeah I, I appreciate you seeing that. I, it definitely was a main goal of mine. And when I knew, I, when I wrote it, or as I was writing it too, I wanted to infuse it with some of the principles that I talk about my patients with because it's so important. You can get all the macros perfectly right or like get the best foods, healthy food out there. But if you don't get like a, 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 a what's the ethos of why you're doing what you're doing? What's the why? What's the 
so to me, I think that sustainable wellness is born out of self-respect and yeah. giving your body grace and lightness and not being dogmatic. I mean, does that really work for anybody long-term? Mm. I mean, maybe a masochist, but I mean, not for most people yeah. that like really want to enjoy food. Um, so let's use food to feel great and not be overly like obsessed about the stressing about food isn't healthy for us. It's not yeah. good for our body. You know, you, you mentioned earlier too, that, you know, you, you're able to see so many virtual clients, you know, and you make, you know, what you practice so accessible to all people. So I wanted to, you know, ask you too, I'm sure you meet with and talk to so many different people across the country and even the world. So, you know, we talk to a lot about like the quality of ingredients, right? And we're, we're in Los Angeles. So we have, you know, so much access to so many great, you know, organic ingredients. And, and also we have the privilege to be able to buy that as well. So how do you work with people who maybe, you know, are sick and trying to get better, but don't have the access or the privilege, like their privilege is just seeing the doctor, right? So how do you coach them beyond that point and help them, you know, nourish themselves like with quality and, and finding the foods that, you know, aren't as available as we have here? Sure. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I used to live in LA. My wife's from Los Angeles. So I know you guys have it easy there. You have to yeah. remember the rest of the country is not LA. No. <laughs> I live in Pittsburgh now. I know like you can't get more like blue collar than that, like living in the country in Western Pennsylvania. But um, I would say the, we live in an awesome time, first and foremost. It's way better than it has ever been. And we have more access in middle America, smaller towns than we've ever had, yeah. both locally in supermarkets and I would say lower cost affordable places like Aldi, Costco, Sam's Club, Walmart, Target, really has a growing amount of healthy stuff. Um, and with, I would say, Amazon uh, acquiring Whole Foods, you know, there's probably a mixed bag of, of thoughts on that, but for the, uh, the driving down of certain costs of things, I think is, can be great too. Trader Joe's, uh, lower cost, affordable things. So this wasn't the case 10, 15 years ago. So I think we live in a time that you don't have to be in LA to get some really cool things. We don't have the variety that you have in LA, but we have a lot of things out there, plus the power of the internet and buying things online and having it shipped to you. Um, so Almost all of my patients are just working class, normal people. Uh, you know, other, with a few exceptions, most are just average people that have average jobs. My top professions, like as patients, are school teachers, uh, nurses, and engineers. These are just people that work like crazy, work crazy hours, uh, love spreadsheets, <laughs> and like <laughs> collecting data of their health. Um, but it, it's just people that that have to meal plan and have to budget and have to be smart with their money um so we have a lot of free uh sources resources online too so with ketotarian specifically we have like ketotarian like on on a budget we have like a meal plan like shopping guide for aldi um and a few other places um so people can do it inexpensively you can do it expensively or you can do it inexpensively or you just can shop around and find that you may find a better deal Aldi and you may find a better deal with something else at Costco. Uh, and, and same with Whole Foods. You may want to get a few specialty items at Whole Foods, but you know you can get the rest of it at Costco. Yeah. So I think it's just about being smart. And part of it's my job and my team's job on a patient level to say, how do we make this practical based on this patient's food preference and 
labs and the clinical stuff of really coaching them and keeping them accountable to that. But if someone doesn't want a functional medicine doctor or doesn't need one, then then I would say just check out our resources. They're all free online at drwillcole.com. They can check that out because we've thought of every, we've heard every excuse under the sun. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we know how to like make this as practical as we can. That's great. What is the most, like in your day-to-day, I know you do a lot of travel and you speak in a lot of different sort of wellness panels and, and um, have sort of this like bigger media following, but like on your day-to-day in your practice, what is the most rewarding aspect of it for you? Oh my goodness. It's being able to talk to people and being part of the health journey. It's such a cool, that's my, that's my love. Like if I, I have to turn down speaking engagements because if I'm, I can't miss more patient days. So it's like, if they can't, I have to check, keep, I'll always put the patient stuff first yeah. and then the rest of the stuff has to fit around that. So normally it's a long weekend. So I'm still able to see patients during the week and I can go travel the weekend. I normally get to take one of my kids. Like I have a 13 and 10 year old and my son and daughter. So I didn't normally get to take with them with me on the weekends somewhere to speak. Um, so yeah, it, my love is my patients first and foremost. Um, and I like writing too. So typically Fridays and the weekends, I write on, on planes a lot. A lot yeah. times. I like get the Wi-Fi if it's available. Southwest has been having some bad Wi-Fi lately, but I, I'll write, you know, articles on the plane and do that. So that's, that's my top favorite things. Do you find, do you like, what is the hardest thing? Like the challenge of not necessarily like from a, your lifestyle perspective, but like seeing patients, do you, is there something that is like the most challenging thing for you? Uh, yeah, it's, it's tough because I think the toughest thing, it's still very rewarding, but it's, a, it is definitely a challenge. And I would say it's holding space for somebody that's going through a lot of emotional stuff. Wow. So physical health problems will play a toll on your emotions. And, um, this is a, we start on my team and I start our morning off with praying honestly for our schedule and just saying, how can we serve these people? How can we be there for them in the way that they need to be? Because we realize, yeah, we can get the clinical stuff down. We can get all their labs looking great and all that. Then we can give them the information that they need. But we realize there's so much other stuff that you can't measure that's impacting the things that they're measuring. Yeah. <laughs> Meaning that someone's emotional health and spiritual health and uh, stress levels and toxic relationships in their lives and pain bodies and traumas are impacting their laps. Mm. And we have to get the stuff that's behind the scenes, like talk about that and be there with them. And uh, it's heavy. And even you, even though we are talking mainly on webcam, we can feel that heaviness yeah. for that person as they're sobbing on the other end of the webcam, or they are just isolated because people don't know what they, why they, they don't even know because a lot of times with these autoimmune issues, they quote unquote look good, fine, right? They look normal or they look healthy, quote unquote, but they feel horrible. Uh, they're so fatigued they can't even get out of bed or they're in so much pain or having these weird symptoms they can't even function. And people don't realize what it takes for them to even just get through the day. So holding space for that stuff is the heaviest thing yeah. because there's a real life person that's going through these health issues. Thank you for sharing that. You know, it's, we had um, another practitioner. She's a she's incredible. She's based in Los Angeles. She's an acupuncturist and does um, 
Eastern medicine. She's pretty integrative, though, and works a lot with Western doctors and um, discussed compassion fatigue as a practitioner and seeing patients all day. And that was really interesting to learn about. And it makes total sense as far as like, like you said, you having to hold space for all these people, but then having to um, be also be there for them. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's, I'm sure that takes an enormous amount of self-care on your part too. Yeah, it does. So we have to keep ourselves check and check as a team to not absorb too much of it where it's impacting our whole day, but we're still being present with them and being empathetic and listening to them and open-minded, but not letting it hurt the next patient. Because we're all empathetic people here, and it's very easy to take that on too much, uh, where it's unhealthy, where we can't be all things to all people. And that's where we have to set the patient up for having a support system at home and uh, having a social outlet, maybe seeing a therapist in conjunction with functional medicine. I mean, due to the trauma or the physical health issues and these eating disorders that come up from chronic health problems like orthorexia and other disordered eating. Yeah. Uh, these are things that are really serious that oftentimes, and back to that, un, uh, you know, another name for functional medicine is integrative. So let's integrate other maybe people and to be complementary with what we're doing to set this person up for success. Yeah. That's so beautiful. I yeah. love that. Um, you know, I'm curious too. back to, you know, talking about food right? yeah. and talking about both of your books. Um, how do you, what is a typical or what is like, maybe even not a typical, what is like your preferred eating day for a low inflammation like diet or way of life like what what can if you could walk us through maybe like a breakfast a lunch a dinner a snack what what you would recommend and what you eat (laughs) yeah uh so i eat pretty keto ketotarian so for the for my breakfast i'll typically intermittent fast in the morning um where why am i doing that is it increases ketosis, the fat burning, anti-inflammatory um, benefits, but it also enhances something called autophagy, which is cellular recycling, basically. If you break that word down, autophagy, it's self-eating. It's all our healthy cells gobbling up the dysfunctional cells. So it's sort of the cellular resilience, anti-aging you know, um, mechanisms of the body. Uh, so I do that to about noon most days. Today, I didn't do that, but 99% of the time, I'll do that. And then at noon, I'll have a... Um, like a, typically, I like the, the, these pesto zoodle bowl that's in ketotarian. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that with some vegan nut cheese, and you can put um, some extra protein on there too, like a, maybe like some fish if you wanted to go pescatarian keto, or you can keep it vegan or vegetarian keto, but you can put some eggs on there if you wanted some protein, but it's predominantly plant-based. Um, and then for dinner, uh, you could stay vegan keto or do this sort of, um, we have this albacore tuna salad with grapefruit salsa and these amazing like uh, amazing um uh, avocado fries they're f- uh, f- floured with um almond flour and this chipotle aioli dressing like really awesome and those are all rest- <laughs> recipes <laughs> yeah and then there's like keto smoothies that i have sometimes and yeah there's a lot of cool things in there um, and all of those would be compliant to recipes that we have in the inflammation spectrum too. Yeah. So you can still leverage the benefits of both because I, the inflammation spectrum is about living an anti-inflammatory life and finding out what your body loves and hates. But that doesn't mean you can't have plant-based keto recipes in that way of eating too. 
Absolutely. What do you think to, you know, um, alcohol is really buzzy right now, especially I think for millennials, right? (laughs) You know, I think there've been so many articles about it's like the wine generation and we're keeping wine companies in business, but at the same time, (laughs) right, there's this whole movement of sober curious. And, um, you know, I think realizing that it might not be serving us long-term. So what do you think about alcohol culture um, in terms of even just maybe like social drinking or for inflammation? What, what does the inflammation spectrum think about alcohol? Yeah. So in the inflammation spectrum, uh, which comes out October 15th, it's on pre-order now, depending on when people listen to this, but the um, there's no alcohol in those initial Depends on how you score on the inflammation spectrum quiz. So there's two different plans based on the quiz. So you could do a four-week plan or an eight-week plan, depending on how you score and what you need. And then each person, depending on their areas of focus, will get a different toolbox so they can really customize it. Um, I wanted to sort of bring all these functional medicine principles and allow people to kind of do it on their own if if they don't need a doctor and go to that level. Um, but all of it would, I would say, give your body a break from alcohol to allow the supporting detox pathways, helping gut health, helping your brain signaling pathways during this time. Um, but I'm not against alcohol if someone does it in a healthy, moderate, sparingly uh, like level. You know, if you, to talk about alcohol culture, I think it's actually an important topic to talk yeah. about. It's one that's not it's still there because wellness is so pop culture and it's like, and then we have this alcohol thing that is not wellness, but it is so a part of the wellness world yeah. so that people eat perfectly and they do all this good stuff. They're going to yoga, but yet they're drinking every night. Mm-hmm. So, and it's just made so benign in our culture. I think it actually is a problem. Um, I mean, and I'm not to say that all people that are doing that are alcoholics but I actually, honestly, I think that there is an alcohol dependent spectrum too, where you may not be full blown chemically addicted to alcohol where you're having withdrawal symptoms and you may be able to go a couple of days or a couple of weeks without having alcohol, but many people, and then they think they're fine. But mm-hmm. I would say that then they have to go back to, go back to it to manage their depression, to yeah. manage their anxiety, their social anxiety, to manage stress levels. Is that really helping us? I mean, I don't think just because it's in a, it's well advertised and made sexy uh, with ads that it somehow is a great thing. I, I don't think it's it's a great thing for many people if they're doing it for those reasons. And again, it's a spectrum. It doesn't mean right. that they're full alcoholics, but right. Well, that's yeah. I think that's why again, like what. I love about, you know, your book and I'm so excited for your next book and everything that you talk about is it's so it's on the spectrum, right? And it's about going inward. And like you said earlier, like, what is your why? Like, what is your why with everything? Why are you choosing to eat this way? Why are you choosing to drink? Why are you choosing to do all of this stuff so that you're not just, you know, like a pod person, like going with whatever everyone else is doing, but you're really choosing your health and yourself first. Yeah. It is easy to fall sort of prey to, I mean, this is another conversation for another podcast episode, but like to the, you know, the marketing of big food. I mean, this is like the last generation of like even the fat phobia, right? Like the nineties, we were just told that this, that was bad for you and created 
consistently growing um, obesity, obesity, diabetes, chronic illness, right? And so, um, yeah, it's just, it's an interesting topic to just think about where it's like having advocacy, which you mentioned before, for your own health. If you're not a health, if you're not your own health advocate, who is going to be, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so just something to think about, whether it's with booze or food or even medicine. And yeah, so... Thank you for bringing that to sort of a, yeah. a larger mainstream um, yeah. audience. I think that's a really important yeah, People just need to ask questions. Like you said, why are they doing what they're doing? What are they, what's the reason for that? And I feel like alcohol is this one thing that people don't want to go to, but they need to talk talk about it because you can't just be chucking down kombucha and chowing down on kale. Yeah. <laughs> you have a glass of whatever at night to wind down, as they say. Uh, what are you winding down? Is there something healthier for you to wind down? What, uh, maybe some mindfulness meditation. Maybe try winding down with that instead. Yeah, yeah. I'm um, so, and I love to, you know, you mentioned your book has quizzes, so you can, I just think that's so fun. I yeah. can't wait to yeah. take the quiz. Yeah, it fun. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be so um, awesome and exciting. So um, is there anything um, else that you have um coming up you know you have your book and you have your podcast and you have your clients so you know is there anything else you have that you're excited about right now uh no all those things are what i'm excited about i'm excited for goop fellas for sure like every week we're having a new conversation every wednesday we drop a new episode of that um keto talk still going on uh, we're gonna take a little bit of break from that later on this year uh T- jimmy moore my co-host is taking a, a break so i'll be focusing fully in the podcast world on goop fellows mm-hmm. uh and seeing my patients is my primary focus there and the book i'm really excited for the inflammation spectrum it's we're going to be putting actually a variation of the inflammation spectrum quiz on drwillcole.com okay. so probably by the time people listen to this it'll be launching or it'll be soon before then the book comes out october 15th but it's on pre-order before then great we can't wait to check it out and obviously you have your book that everybody <laughs> should go read but we also ask all of our guests Um, Do you have a book recommendation that was particularly special to you over the course of your journey? I'm sure there's many, but if you want want to share one with us and our listeners, that'd be great. Sure. Yeah. It's Eckhart Tolle, actually, um, one of his two books, but I would say probably Power of Now, if I had to pick between the two of them. Uh, I love listening, not only reading his words, but listening to the audio book because his voice is actually quite centering. Um, and calming. Uh, I would say that book is one of the few books that I keep going back to almost like a meditation in and of itself or a textbook of the soul in a way, where it is just recalibrating your relationship with the present moment. I love that. So for anyone who doesn't already find you, where can everyone find you on the internet and find your books and find everything about you? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for having me again. The, uh, everything's at drwillcole.com. That's D-R-W-I-L-L-C-O-L-E.com. And my handle for Instagram and all of Twitter and all of those ones would be at drwillcole. That's D-R-W-I-L-L-C-O-L-E. And they can check me out on all those places. Yes, and October 15th is the book release. So. The Inflammation Spectrum. Yes, the Inflammation Spectrum. It's super, super pumped about it. And uh, thank you guys for having me. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Courageous Wellness. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode featuring a different guest each week. Subscribe, rate, and write us a nice review. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Courageous Wellness or get in touch through our website, 
www.courageouswellnesspodcast.com. Until next week, I'm Allie. And I'm Erica, and we're Courageous Wellness. 